Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Can we welcome everybody watching online? Come on. One more time. A big hello to all of our Facebook family, YouTube family, and friends. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, Today, we're going to continue through the book of Habakkuk. We'll be done next week. Today is part three of the book of Habakkuk. Has this been helpful to anybody? Come on, we're enjoying this. We're reading through it. We got a 30-day reading guide. I want you to grab your Bibles, and I I want you to go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. As you're going there, look at the person next to you, smile at them, tell them they look good today, tell them that you're glad they're sitting next to you. Come on, encourage somebody. If you're watching online, leave a comment on YouTube, email us, let us know where you're watching from. Habakkuk chapter 2. Anybody hate that you lost an hour of sleep today? Are you still feeling it? Everybody ready for that Sunday afternoon nap? Yeah. Nappers, we got nappers. Habakkuk chapter two. Habakkuk, just to, uh, if you haven't been keeping up with the series, just to try to catch you up a little bit. Habakkuk is an Old Testament prophet. Somebody say prophet. Prophet is somebody that hears from God and speaks on behalf of God to people. We believe that prophets are real. God still speaks to people. He's a speaking God. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to be crazy to be a prophet. But prophets are absolutely real. Um, and Habakkuk was a prophet. We're talking about 2,600 years ago. He was a prophet. And instead of speaking to people on God's behalf, in this particular book, he's talking to God himself. They're having a discussion, right? It's three chapters, like super, super short. You can go home today and read it in 10, 15 minutes. I think you should, uh, but it's a book full of wisdom. And I think it's a book uh, that teaches us what was happening at that time, but we can certainly read it today and it can help us with what's going on in our world today. In chapter two, God is about to answer Habakkuk on his second set of questions. And he has this long answer. All of chapter two, you should read it. I'm not going to read all of it because this is quite a few verses, but I do want to read just a couple verses. And I think the couple verses that we're going to read is going to give us a glimpse of what chapter two is all about. Go to, go to verse 12 in chapter two. Habakkuk chapter two, go down to verse 12. If you're there, can you say amen? Amen. This front row is strong. I like that. Come on. We got Mercy. We got Yoli. We got X up here. Come on. Look at this whole front row. John and Dre are here. Come on. It's awesome. Got a good front row. Habakkuk chapter 2. Yeah, we were worried in the other service, but we're glad you're here. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 12. Okay, this is God speaking. And look what he says. He says, Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? God is telling Habakkuk like, hey, like judgment, condemnation, woe is that nation that like cheats people, does wrong, and everything they do is going to go to the fire. And then look at verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. As the waters covers the sea. 
out of these few verses today as we continue reading the book of Habakkuk. Chapter 2, God is speaking to the prophet and is going to tell him quite a few things. We're going to talk about it for the next several minutes. And I think learn from it, get a lot of wisdom from it. I want to talk to you from this subject. There's only one. There's only one. And I think uh, we can learn something from that in chapter 2. Let's talk about it for the next few moments and minutes. And then we'll worship God one more time and they'll go catch up on our sleep. That sound like a plan? Some people are like, no, don't tell me to go to sleep. I don't want to go to sleep. You don't have to, but I will. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. You're awesome. There is none like you. Thank you for this time together as a community, as a family, physically and online. Thank you for everybody watching Calvary across the globe who's connecting. God, uh, thank you for this book. We're learning so much through it and we're growing through it. Keep speaking to us. We need you, God. We need you more each and every day. We thank you. We love you. It is in Jesus' name. All of God's people say. Oh, come on. All of God's people say. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. On April 12th of the year 1912, the Titanic sailed for the very first time. I'm sure most of us have heard about the Titanic or seen the movie about the Titanic. Anybody seen the movie on Titanic? You got Jack and Rose and... Jack, come back. We've all seen the Titanic. In 1912, the Titanic was the most impressive cruise liner ship people have ever seen. It was like enormous. It was incredible. It was the latest technology. Like this is massive. We're used to now going down to the Port of Miami and seeing all these cruise ships. In 1912, it was the very first one of this magnitude and size. And and the common theme was that it was unsinkable. Unsinkable. In fact, there's a rumor that the Captain Edward or a crewman of the boat Titanic uh, once said, not even God himself could sink this ship. As I was reading about the history of the Titanic, one commentator on this event said this about it. He said, today it lays at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, and eventually the Titanic structure will collapse, and she will be reduced down to a patch of rust on the seabed. Kind of crazy. The Bishop of uh, Winchester said, Titanic, name and thing, will stand as a monument and warning to human presumption. Wow, human presumptions. I I think if we're not careful, all of us at one point in life can end up in this point where we're presumptuous. To be presumptuous means to be bold, arrogant in our behavior, past the limits of what we should. Literally, that's what the definition is. Like, Like basically, can't nobody tell me anything. Oh, come on, I got a handle on this. Like, what, what do you know about what I'm doing? Don't, don't tell me how to manage my money. Don't tell me what to do in my relationship. Don't tell me who to date. You, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I got a handle on this. Like, don't talk to me. Like, I, I know what I'm doing. Have you ever been presumptuous? Yes. I remember one time, um, I, I grew up in Hialeah. Anybody from Hialeah? I grew up in Hialeah. And, and 
I grew up in Hialeah in an apartment building, in, in an apartment building that we used to live in in Hialeah. Uh, we used to live in these apartment buildings. My mom managed the apartment buildings. And so for summer when we didn't have school, we just hung out all over the apartment building. And one time, um, me, my brother, my sister, we went down to the parking lot because we were bored and we're like, let's just see what we can do. And we found the shopping cart in the parking lot. And my mom was taking care of different apartments, running around, and, and we decided to put my sister, true story, she's here, we, we put my sister in the shopping cart. Me and my brother started just like, we're, we're like, get ready, you're going to have the time of your life in this shopping cart. My mom, I think from like the third story from a balcony, was like, hey, hey, get your sister off the shopping cart, you don't know what you're doing. And again, in our attitude, our presumption is like, what are you talking about? Just because they didn't have shopping carts in Costa Rica. No, just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> like, 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 what are you doing? Like, don't t- like we know what we're doing. We got a handle on this. We're not going to hurt our sister. She is going to experience F1 racing on a shopping. And we grabbed the shopping cart. My sister in the shopping cart. We raced down the parking lot. True story. As fast as possible. All of a sudden hit a bump. My sister went flying through the air. Landed on the floor and broke her left arm. And broke her left arm. True story. Mom had to rush us to the hospital and we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> presumption. Not, not more than having presumption, I think, against people. Like, we can all do that against one another. Like, you don't know what to do. Like, don't tell me. What about when we catch this attitude with God? Like, God, don't tell me what to do. What, what do you know, God. Don't, don't tell me how to live my life. Now, of course, we'll probably never say that. It doesn't come out of our mouth, but it comes out in our behavior. Like, we, we will probably never say, God, I don't need you. I'm good. We won't say it. We're here in church, and we love God. Cool. But in our behavior, we're kicking God out. Like, God, I'm just going to do what I want. Like, yeah, you, yeah, your word says certain things, but, but I think I, I know what I'm doing human presumption in our behavior. In fact, more as a society is happening. We've kicked God out of schools. We're kicking God out of government. As a society, we're saying, God, we don't need you anymore. Like, I know, I know your word has morals and values, but, but we don't need these morals and values in our society. We, we got a handle on life, God. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> like we're building an amazing society. We're building a utopia. It's going to be amazing. And we don't need God. It's going to be full of love and peace and love. We're all just going to get along. Every, here's the, here's the, the society we're building. Check it out. It's amazing. Everybody's going to be able to do whatever they want, <laughs> whenever they want. Nobody's ever going to be wrong because you have your truth and I have my truth. What's your truth? I have my truth. And if somebody doesn't like our truth, we'll cancel them. <laughs> right? Like that, that'll be awesome. And uh, like God doesn't know how to handle society. We're going to build a great structure. Human presumption. We got this, God. We don't need your ancient wisdom. This book is old. Who wrote this? The wisest being in the universe. Like maybe we need it. Maybe we need some guidelines on how to live. And if we're not careful, we're kicking God out and depending on self. And, and, and that, I think, leads to the biggest problem, which is that dependence on self will lead to destruction of self. When we depend on ourselves, we're only destroying our own life. I'm depending on my own strength. I think I'm accomplished. I think I'm pretty good. So I'm depending on my own strength, my own intelligence, my own wits. So I'm going to depend on me. That'll lead to destruction. 
like humanity, you want to depend on yourself, it'll lead you to destruction. I think the root of this problem is success. Because when you succeed, it's hard for people to tell you you're wrong. Because you just had an accomplishment. Like, I'm, I'm good. Look what I just did. Do you see the house I just built? Do you see the career I have? Do you see the bank account I have? Like, I'm good. You're trying to tell me? And so we look at God and we're like, don't tell us how to live in society. Like, we're building this amazing utopia. Get on Twitter. Everybody loves each other there. <laughs> like, look at the cities we built. God, you're trying to tell us how to run society? Like, look at what we built. God, we built a Tesla. Come on, God. We're pretty good. We got Teslas down on earth. And God's like, yeah, that's impressive. Let me see you build a human brain. Right? Like, can, you, can you build a brain? Build a human eyeball. <laughs> and we're just like, we got Teslas. <laughs> like, human presumption. And we're building our lives, and we think we're great, grandiose. Nobody can tell us anything. We know what we're doing until it all turns to rust on the seabeds of life. Are you building something in your own way without ever fully acknowledging that it can all crumble and fall and turn to nothing. What we're living for is pleasures that are fleeting. And we want some kind of satisfaction that will never really fill us. And I think the takeaway, what we can learn from Habakkuk chapter 2, is that we should live for eternal success, not temporary satisfaction. I want to build my life with God in my mind, God in my soul, him building my morals, my values, with my family, in all my relationships. I want to live for him, honor him, worship him every single day. God, I'd rather live for an eternal purpose than a temporary pleasure. Eternal success. What is success here on earth? Like, I'd rather eternal success in the scope of life and eternity than temporary satisfaction. Habakkuk chapter 2 is extremely interesting. And again, you, you got to remember what's happening in the book, right? In the book, Habakkuk the prophet is having a conversation with God because he's fed up. He's tired. You ever been tired with God? There's, there's a holy service. I forgot. <laughs> Other services, everybody's like, yeah, yeah. At 1 p.m., it's like, not us. We're great. We're spiritual. Come on, come on. Anybody ever been fed up? Like, like, God, I don't get life. Life is hard sometimes, and we don't understand. And so I just picture Habakkuk sitting at a table with God. Like, God, me and you, we got to talk. We got to talk because this is, I don't understand some things. This is crazy. Like, look what's happening. The southern kingdom of Israel called Judah, they're, they're out of their mind. They've lost their mind. They're going crazy. God... Like, how long am I going to have to pray? How long am I have to come up to? And you don't do nothing. You ever felt that way? God, you don't do nothing. And, and what did we learn in week one of the series? God's like, I got it. I've been on it. <laughs> I've been on it in chapter one. He says, in fact, if I would tell you what I'm doing, you wouldn't even believe me. So why tell you? You ever tell somebody something and they're like, mm-mm, that's not true. You asked me. So he's like, if I told you, remember, everything's under control is what we learned in week one. God's like, I got it. Oh, it looks like they're out of control, but I'm actually raising up the Babylonians and they're going to come in and destroy Judah. <laughs> Habakkuk is like, I don't know why that's not a good answer. Destroy Judah? Because we always want things our way. And what do you mean destroy Judah? Why can't you just like, like talk to them? And God's like, how about if I've been trying to talk to them? 
And we learned about correction. And God's like, no, 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 I'm, I, I don't mean to destroy them for pleasure or for me to have a good time. I, I mean, they're gonna, the destruction is going to bring correction. And we talked about loving father that corrects, right? And so that's chapter one. At the end of chapter one, Habakkuk is still frustrated. He's like, God, but, but that's cool. Okay, I, I know you got a plan, but, but they're wicked. In fact, they're like, we're bad, but they're more bad. <laughs> you ever done something like that? Like, like okay, I messed up, but my brother, <laughs> he broke the vase. Like, you just try to like put more blame on somebody else. Like, he's like, okay, like we're pretty bad, but they're worse. And if you let them conquer us and come in, they're going to turn around and worship themselves and their gods. God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Last week, we learned about waiting. And God basically is telling the prophet Habakkuk, you have to wait and watch what I'm going to do. So Habakkuk is like, okay, God, I'm going to sit up on a high tower. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch and wait. Watch and wait. In waiting, a lot of times God matures us and he grows us and he does something in us. It's good to wait on God. Come on, the Bible says it's good to wait on the Lord. If you're waiting today, he's working something out in your life. Trust him. He's doing something. He's maturing you. He's growing you. It's good to wait on God. Habakkuk shows us that it's good to wait on God. It's, it's a microwave generation. We want everything now. And Habakkuk has to wait to see what God is doing. And God, so the beginning of chapter 2, what, what, what we're going to discuss over the next couple minutes, God's like, okay, I want, you to, I want you to write this down. Write down this vision that I'm about to give you. So Habakkuk is like, okay, I'm going to write it down. He's like, write it down. People, people are going to have to know that what I'm telling you is it, going to come to pass. And I said it before. And it's going to come to pass. Basically, he's telling Habakkuk this. Yes, Babylon is evil. And yes, I'm using them to correct Judah. I didn't create this evil, but I'm allowing it to happen because my people need correction. But Babylon, they're not going to get away with their evil. I also have something in store for them. Woo, you don't play with God. In fact, I like the way one commentator said it. He said this. He said, actually, um, given the human condition, most nations become like Babylon. So it's good for us to read chapter 2 because the way our heart is inclined, most governments, most nations, most empires turn wicked like Babylon. In fact, then he said, given the human condition, most people become like Babylon. Here we are blaming Babylon like they're wicked, they're cruel, look at this evil empire, they're terrible. And God's like, yeah, they, they represent the human heart. And so learn a lesson from the Babylons, from the Babylonians, because most of humanity is like this. We have evil thoughts that come into our mind, and God's not going to let Babylon get away with it. And so chapter 2, he's like, listen to me, write this down. And God begins to deliver in poetic form. Habakkuk writes it down in chapter 2. You got to read it. It literally will take you five to ten minutes to read all of chapter 2. He gives them a vision. And he gives them this prophecy of what's going to happen to Babylon. Now, five times in chapter 2, he uses this word, woe. Somebody say, woe. woe. I don't know if you ever heard this word. Not Drake, running through the six of my woes. I'm not talking about that. Woe, woe. The word woe in the Hebrew is owe. Somebody say, owe. Basically, it's incredible distress. Like, oh, no. Basically. Like, oh, be careful. That's woe. It literally means incoming judgment. Now, we don't like talking about that kind of God. 
Can you go back to the God in the picture with the fish and the love and the heart? Like that, like that God. I know, I know that God is great. He's awesome, but he's also holy and he has to correct and he's not going to let evil and sin get away with whatever they want. And so he's like, Babylon's going to pay. You, you ever looked around society and be like, God, how come this person, they're so evil, they're so bad, they don't even love you. Here I am in church, and yet they got like everything in life, and it looks like life is awesome for them. God's like, that's temporary satisfaction. All of that will burn to ashes. Like everybody has it coming for them eventually. We're all going to face consequences or, you know, recognition for how you lived your life here on earth. And he's like, look at what I'm going to do to Babylon. He says five woes, basically five pronouncements of judgment of Babylon. Write these down. Five woes. The first woe, somebody say, first woe. First woe is theft. If you read chapter two, beginning in about verse six, he says, woe to the nation that steals and they make their way by evil deeds. Basically, they, they, they plunder others. What God is saying is pretty soon it's going to come upon you. The Babylonians would borrow money, borrow money, take from other nations, and never pay back. Basically, what God is saying, the plunderers will be plundered. One day, your your debtors are going to come knocking. One day, the bill's going to come, Babylon. And you're going to have to pay for everything you've done. Oh, you want to get ahead in life by stealing? The plunderers will be plundered. Number two, write this down. Number two is extortion. Or exploits. The exploiters will be exploited. They gained all of their increase by exploiting people. This is what Babylon used to do. And he's like, okay, you, you, want, you want temporary gain? You're going to suffer eternal consequence. Oh, Babylon, woe to the empire, woe to the nation that exploits other people. That's number two. That's the second woe in chapter two. You following along? Okay, number three, violence. Woe to the nation that uses violence because one day your blood will be shed. God's not playing in chapter two. The shedders of blood will have their blood shed. And so we look at evil and we're like, how come God doesn't do anything about evil? He will. Trust him. It's not on your time. It's on his time. But chapter two, he's basically saying like, hey, I got this. Fourth thing, inhumane. Babylon was wicked, cruel. Like, try, try, it's the most wicked empire at this time. They've taken over the Assyrians. They're now coming into the southern kingdom of Judah. They are bad people. And so Habakkuk chapter 2 says, you actually make people drunk. You give them so much alcohol to the point where now you can take advantage of them and expose their nakedness. Basically, you get people drunk to rape them and have sex with them. Babylon's wicked. The disgracers of humanity will be disgraced themselves. You can take advantage of some people, but sooner or later, Habakkuk chapter 2 says, shame will follow you forever. Take advantage of people. Take advantage. Disgrace people. It'll catch up to you. And the fifth one is idolatry. Woe to the nation that worships idols. The idolaters will be left with a lifeless idol. They'll be left with nothing but a lifeless idol. Now, now. I want us to look at this list because I think this is wisdom in chapter 2. Like, I I look at this list and it's like, God, I don't want to live a life like this. God is saying, don't be like Babylon. Babylon steals, they exploit, they're violent, 
They, they, they don't care about humanity, inhumane, and they worship idols. Don't live this way. Wisdom in chapter 2. If you want to get ahead in life, nothing wrong with it. Don't do it this way. You want, you want to achieve great things in life? Absolutely. Go for it. Go. We're cheering you on. Just don't do it this way. Just don't spill blood. Just don't take advantage of people. Just don't steal. Just don't be inhumane. And just don't worship the things that you gain. Right? And so there's wisdom in chapter 2. Are you following along? And so, so like Habakkuk is like, whoa, Babylon's going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, Babylon's going to pay for it. So Habakkuk is like, whoa, this is an incredible vision. He's writing everything down. Five things. Woe to this nation that does it this way. Woe to this nation that goes this way. If we're not careful, all of the nations of the earth are headed this way. Because nothing ever satisfies the human soul except the spirit of God. And so we'll do whatever we can to gain whatever we can and won't satisfy. Now, now there's five woes that we can learn from them, woes. <laughs> but there's also three beholds in chapter 2. So I say behold. Remember, he's giving him a vision, right? He's saying, he's saying, get up on the watchtower, write this down, watch this. From a high place, Habakkuk is talking to God, having a conversation with God. God is basically showing him like a movie of all that's going to happen. And three times he says, behold. The word behold is, hey, look. Look, open your eyes. Pay attention. Now, anytime God says, look and pay attention, you may be looking and pay attention. Like, 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 it's important, right? Like, if I say, look, look over here, you may be like, oh, I don't care. But God says, look, you better look. And there's some wisdom in what he's telling you to look at. So we'll finish with this. Like a couple minutes left. The, the, first one is, <laughs> the first one in chapter 2, he says, behold. In other words, look, see. He says, the one who is puffed upright on his own ways. Chapter 2. He says, but his ways are not straight. In other words, he's a crooked man. He's puffed up, but he's wrong in all of his ways. You ever seen somebody who's puffed up? Yeah, life is great. I got a PhD, DHP, and MP, and I've built it all by myself. This house, I built it with my own hands, and yeah, I'm on my third wife. The first two had no idea what they were doing in life, and they just said, you're puffed up. Like, who, who do you think you are? I've accomplished all this on my own. No, you haven't. You're crooked in your own ways, Right? And then the following verse, God says, look at that, see that, behold that. Now watch this. In contrast, the just, they don't live like that. The just live by faith. Watch, look, see, behold, he's puffed up. But the just, they live by faith. In other words, the first takeaway or application as we're closing, number one, trust in his promise. Don't trust in what you can accomplish. Don't trust in everything that you can do. You're not that great. Even if you could build a Tesla or a MacBook or even a city skyscraper, trust in him. He's the creator of everything. Don't be puffed up on your own. God says, look, look at the difference. He, he's puffed up because he's thinking he's good. He's crooked. He, he's not even walking straight. But the just, they live by faith. We live in the promise of God. He's got us. He's for us. He's made a way. I, I'm not puffed up because I got it figured out. I'm puffed up because at the cross, he figured it out. Come on, everybody with me. That's why we worship with boldness and faith, faith because he, he did it at the cross. 
Many times we think we could do it on our own. I, I went to the gym one time. I think I've shared this story before, but I went to the gym one time with a friend of mine. This is years and years ago. Bally's Total Fitness. Anybody remember Bally's? Got us in a crazy contract for like five years. Couldn't get out of it. Um, still can't get out of it. Um, went, I went to the gym with my friend, and I remember my friend that day, he was puffed up. And he's like, I've been working out without you. Because I, I went to the gym like once a month. And, and he's like, I've been working out without you. And so, so he goes to the bench. Now, anytime you're working out with a friend, you should spot your friend, a spotter. A spotter means, hey, I'm going to help you carry the weights a little bit. So just in case it's too heavy for you. He gets down the bench. My friend always thought he was funny. He's like, hey, hey, I don't need a spotter. You know, I was getting ready to like spot him on the bench. He has a bar, put a decent amount of weights. He's like, I don't need a spotter. And I'm like, man, he quit playing. I said his name. Man, he quit playing. Get, get, get down the bench. And he's like... Hey, I don't need a spotter. Watch this. I said, okay. He laid down. He grabbed that bar, took it up one time. And all of a sudden, this thing came crashing down on his chest. Crashing down. And he was trying to get it back up. And he's like, ah! And he couldn't. Now, obviously, I'm not going to help. He said he didn't need a spotter. On top of that, I can't help because I'm just laughing and laughing. And I, like, I can't stop laughing. I'm like, the whole gym is looking at him. Right? And he's struggling. He's like, like struggling and laughing at himself. Right? He has to throw the weights off. Ended up throwing himself on the floor. I'm like, you got it though. You got it. How many of us are trying to do life on our own? Struggling underneath the weight of our own accomplishments, thoughts, stress. You can't do it on your own. We do this with salvation. It's going to make my way to God. I'm going to behave really good. I'm going to be really nice to people. I'm going to go to every city care event love on my neighbor it doesn't matter how good you are you can never gain salvation by your good behavior the just they live by faith he tells Habakkuk hey look look at the difference behold see one lives trying to think that he's accomplished everything it's Babylon it's going to be rust on the seabed the other one lives by faith Faith in what, Alex? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's, that's what our faith is in. My faith is not in my good behavior, my good deeds. None of that could save us. Our faith is in what Jesus did at the cross. The second behold is about halfway through chapter 2 in between some of the woes. <laughs> he says, behold, look. The nation that tries to do everything on their own, they toil, they work hard just for it to burn to the ground. But the glory of God will fill the entire earth. Woo! That's powerful. Second application that I can take away from this is to live for what matters. Because everything else will be burned to the ground. Are you building your life on what truly matters? Because everything will come and go. Like if your life is just based on income and salary, we've learned these past 12 months, all of that can go in a second. If, if your life is founded upon your career, you can lose that in a moment. If it's based on your car or your house, like what are you building your life? I'm not saying don't go after the career. Go to school, get your career. Get your PhD. I, I love it. I'm, I'm all for it. I root for you. Let's go. Let's go. I did it. I finished college. Like, yes, go for it. But that's not what your life should be founded on. Right. 
I'm all for getting money. Like, we need money to survive. Hello? Like, go make your money. Yes, absolutely. Work hard. Grind. We should. The Bible says we should be hard workers. But that's not what makes my life. Are you with me? Like, what's the foundation of your life? Because you don't want your life to crumble and turn to fire. God says, look, behold, Babylon thinks they're amazing. Babylon thinks they're awesome. They don't know they're going to crumble. Diana's family invited us to dinner like two weeks ago. We go to dinner and they're doing like these tomahawk steaks on the grill. Like it was just absolutely phenomenal. I'm like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's amazing. Yeah, no, phenomenal. It was like the real deal. And so we sit down, we eat. After we eat, her cousin's like, hey, why don't we play a little game? I'm like, I'm down for games. I love games. And he brings out Jenga. Anybody know Jenga? Love Jenga. I hadn't played Jenga in forever. And so he brings out Jenga and we start playing Jenga. The whole family got in on it. Like we got in on Jenga. Now, I'm, I'm a little bit competitive, so I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to make this thing fall. If you don't know Jenga, you got pieces of like wood chips or I don't know what it's called. And you got to put them all together, stack them up. And all of a sudden, you got to take them out and stack them one on top of the other and see how high it can go. Listen, that night, we went like an hour and a half into this game. We built, we broke records that night. We broke records, should have taken a picture, videotaped it. It was amazing. Like the Jenga thing got enormous on top of the dinner table. We were getting mad at each other in case somebody like bumped the table. Mistake, you know what I'm talking about? Like, don't touch the table. You're going to make this thing fall. Like, I, we're, we're doing something amazing here. After an hour and a half of sweat, insulting each other, getting mad, family fights coming out, like, all of this, eventually, you're going to p- pull the wrong one out, and this entire thing fell to the floor. You're going to build your whole life off of money, career, or a specific relationship, all of this, and you'll build this great life. And all God has to do is pull one thing out and everything will come tumbling down. Everything. Where's Babylon today? Gone. Gone. And God said it to Habakkuk. Oh, they think they're great. They think they're amazing. They're taking over every country by exploiting, by violence and all that. God says, it's going to the fire. Babylon thought they were going to be unstoppable, unsinkable. They're just ashes today. Remembered in history books. They're not, they're not around. After them, what other empire? The Roman Empire. It's where we got most of our modern day technology from. Learn from the Romans. They were incredible. They were awesome. They reigned for thousands of years. Where's the Roman Empire today? Gone. Where's Caesar? All we have is little Caesars. <laughs> that was corny. <laughs> Right, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> all we got is cold pizza. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Italy, but I'm saying, like, like, the Roman Empire gone. Where, where's every nation that has tried to turn like Babylon? Go look at the Soviet Union. Go look at every wicked empire that thinks they're going to be great on their own today. Ashes. And what can we learn? Don't be like that. Live for eternal purposes. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the... Come on. Who's built his house on the... Build your life on the rock. Don't, young people, don't build your life off of whoever you're dating. 
I've seen young people build their life off around a relationship. When that relationship crumbles, they lose their life because Bob left me. You are worth more than Bob's time. You are worth more than whatever Bob was. Who's Bob? <laughs> like, I know people who've landed dream jobs and they thought they made it. And all it takes is to walk into your office when they, they dismiss you for you to get hit with reality. This is not all there is in life. Me and Dana were youth pastors here for about two years. And, and I remember... Some of the young people used to come up to us and, and tell us, like literally, they used to tell us, well, my dad thinks he can make me happy by just throwing money at us. Gives me all the gifts. Dad, mom, that does not satisfy your kids. They, they literally used to say, we just want to be with them. We just wish they were in our life. Like, my, they don't love us. They just throw money at us. I've heard that. Like, I've heard that in my face they've told me that. Are you building your life on what matters? Work the overtime, double overtime, whatever you want. Like, go for it, but... but but realize that's not the most important thing. Spend time with your family. Love your children. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your life. Like, build your life on what matters. And then the last thing, the third application, he goes, look, behold, they worship idols. They're lifeless. They can't even speak back to them. In other words, God says, hey, look, see, worship the only true one. Third application, worship the one. Chapter two is all about the worship, recognition, reverence, of the only one true king. There's only one. Like the best kingdom is not the Babylonian kingdom or the Roman kingdom or the United States kingdom. The one true kingdom is the kingdom of God. And so which one are we worshiping? He's saying Habakkuk, they got it all messed up. Now maybe we're here, we're like, well, I don't worship idols. Maybe, maybe we don't worship statues at home or here. We don't have shrines to statues the way they did. But some of us, our, our idol is our phone in our hand. Because worship just means whatever you give the most amount of time, money, affection to. So some of us worship our phones more than we do God. Some of us worship Netflix more than we do God. We'll read three verses here in church. And then we'll go home and watch like 25 episodes of Ted Lasso, back to back to back to back. Best show on Netflix. Um, it's actually on Apple TV, but I haven't seen it. I read my Bible all day. But um, <laughs> like, like, come on, we all struggle with this. And so he's saying worship. Like, we're all going to worship something. Make sure you're worshiping the right thing. Make sure you're worshiping the right one. Because eventually all of us will worship God. The apostle John, at the end of time, he gets a revelation about the end of time. And look what he says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven. Look how specific it is. Every creature in heaven, meaning every single angel every, on earth, every single human being, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them. And what were they all saying? To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Like, I don't want to try to build a life, an empire of a life that's going to just rust at the bottom of the ocean floor. A rather eternal success 
than temporary satisfaction. Are you with me? Chapter 2, God gives them all this vision. Five woes, three beholds. Next week, we're going to finish the book, which is Habakkuk's response. You've got to be here. Habakkuk responds in an incredible way because look at God's last words in Scripture to Habakkuk. Chapter 2, look at the last, last thing that he tells Habakkuk. Verse 20, he says all of these things about idols and Babylon. And the, God literally finishes this way. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. If God tells me that, and I'm Habakkuk, I'm like, I, I should have never complained in the first place, God. Like, I, I should have not even like, whoa. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all of earth keep silence before him. There's only one. Babylon may make some noise in their pride, arrogance, and presumption. Mankind may boast in their inventions, innovations, creativity, whatever they want. At the end of the day, the Lord is in his holy temple. What is a holy temple? The universe. God rules over all. Let all of earth be silent before him. Wow. Let's realize in reverence, in silence, in respect, he's the only one that we should worship. In fact, today I want to finish service a little bit different because we always finish like, you know, celebrating. I'm all for celebrating and we will before we leave. But, but why don't we stand up to our feet? And why don't we practice what God told Habakkuk? I, I think right now we're living in a world full of noise. The noise of our TV, the noise of social media, the noise of politicians, the noise of nations. But why don't we do what God told Habakkuk? Let earth be silent before him. I'm all for worship, and we love to worship here and all that, but, but, but why don't we practice silence for a moment before God and have a moment where we recognize, God, you are in your holy temple. You, you live across the galaxies. You have the world in the palm of your hands, and so I'm not going to live my life exploiting with violence, taking advantage Stealing, trying to get ahead to build something that will be reduced to ashes. I'm going to live my life in your promise for what matters, worshiping you. And so with eyes closed, why don't we raise our hands as a sign of surrender, as a sign of worship. Maybe you're not comfortable with silence. I know it's okay sometimes to be a little bit uncomfortable. And it may feel awkward. And I think it's just because we talk too much sometimes. And we even go to God just like talking and talking and talking. And we're never quiet before God. So why don't we practice a moment of just stillness and quietness as a church. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. With hands raised. Come on, let's worship him.
Thank you, God. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that I can build my life for what matters. And I worship you. You're in control, God. You're the only one worthy of our worship. We give you worship today. with hands lifted why don't we sing so what can I say so what can I do all we can do is offer our lives let's sing it out so what can I Can you tell him today? Come on, sing it from your heart to the God of the universe. What could I do? singing to him today. And what could I do? Tell him I'll give you my life, Lord. But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you, to you. And what could I
surrender. We'll stand with our hearts completely abandoned to you because only you alone are worthy of all of our worship. You're God and God all by yourself. And so God, in, in our humanity, we can try to build and get away and do and achieve, but ultimately you're the only one, only true king and only unshakable kingdom. Thank you, God. Come on, with every eye closed and every head bowed, all across this place, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, maybe you're in here today and you're like, okay, what is even going on? I don't know. I don't know if I can even worship God. I've done stuff that I'm ashamed of. I've done stuff that nobody knows about. Maybe you're watching online for the first time and you're like, okay, I, I don't know God though. I'm not a Christian. I, I don't know who Jesus is. I've heard of him, but I don't have a relationship with God. That's okay. Maybe you've done stuff that you think that does keep you away from God. That may be true because the Bible says that we're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong, and our sin separates us from God. God is holy. He can't be with sin. So what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin. Every wrong thing we've done, said, spoke, every mistake, every flaw. The Bible says that Jesus carried it all on his shoulders. Every wrong thing I've done, every wrong thing you've done, Jesus paid for it. The Bible says that sin has a heavy price. And Jesus says, you don't have to pay for it. I'll pay it for you. He went to a cross. He died a brutal death for me and for you. And nailed him to a cross. And there he paid the penalty of sin. He gave up his life. He died on the cross. He went down to a grave. Jesus was dead for three days. But after three days, he resurrected. Jesus is alive today and he wants to give you a brand new beginning a brand new life he wants to forgive you of your sins today if you're watching or if you're here with every eye closed every head bowed pastors praying leaders praying dream team praying if you're here today you say Alex I need forgiveness I'm walking around with shame and guilt I know I've done wrong thought wrong said wrong I want a brand new start I want forgiveness for my sins I want a brand new beginning. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, I'm going to count to three in a moment. If you're here and you're saying, Alex, that's me, pray for me. I need a relationship with God today. I need forgiveness today. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to call you out, embarrass you, none of that. I just want to see who I'm praying for, and then you can put it right back down. Every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, at the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amazing. 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 Awesome. If you're watching online, you can just raise your hand right there wherever you are. Believe God has seen you. Take this step of faith and put your trust in him. With eyes closed and head bowed, why don't we all say this prayer together? I'm making this prayer first prayer easy, but you can talk to God any place, anywhere. The Bible says, what do we got to do to be saved? Is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we will be saved. That's what we're doing in this moment. We're saying, God, I need you. Jesus died for me, and I want him to be Lord of my life. Whenever your eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. In fact, we're all going to say it, the whole church, together as one big family. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven 
and I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Thank you so much. Hey, all of you raise your hand. If you made a decision at home, we have a free Bible for you. We want to help you out on this journey. This is God's word. The Bible that we have is actually a, a Bible for new Christians. So on the side, it has a lot of stuff to help you out. Understand what you're reading. We want to give it to you absolutely free. Pass by the Connect tent. Before you leave, say hi to somebody, high-five somebody. Make sure you pass by the tent. Pick up one of these Bibles absolutely free from us to you. One more time. Come on, 1 p.m. Can you give them a big, big hand? Come on. Come on. Amazing. Anybody thank God for the book of Habakkuk? Come on, it's an awesome book. A lot of wisdom. Next week, we're going to finish it off. But let's keep that in mind this week. The just live by faith. Everything else burns to fire. And we should only worship the one who's in his holy temple. I think a lot of application, chapter 2. Think about it, study it, read it today or tomorrow. And let's thank God for all that he's done for us. Amen. Come on, let's leave out of here celebrating. One more time, say hi to the person next to you. Give them a hug. We'll see you next Sunday. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's finish celebrating. God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your love. Go before us this week. Thank you for all you've done, all you're doing, all you will do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together.